on a one inch Swiss part with the multiple features easily could be up over a minute a piece, minute and a half, 90 seconds, depending on material and complexity. Again, with the multi-spindle features of balancing it between eight spindles, and if you could break down the operations in in an efficient manner, you could get that cycle down to 10 or 15 seconds. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. On today's podcast, we continue our series about Swiss machining. Our guest is John Belmonte, owner and president of Mitotech, a precision turning company in Nacita, Wisconsin. Recently, Mitotech purchased a Tornos Multi-Swiss 826 multi-spindle screw machine. The unique design of the Multi-Swiss enables such quick changeovers, the machine is running many of the same jobs the company has on its single-spindle Swiss machines, but in a fraction of the cycle times. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. I am very honored to be with John Belmonte, owner and president of Mitotech Precision in Nacito, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, Noah. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, this is great. I've been trying to get John for a while now. Off and on, we've talked in the past about Tornos machines and doing this season about Swiss. He was one of the first people that came to mind that I needed to talk to. Just to get started, John, I want to learn a little bit about Mitotech. Just give us the short skinny, and then I want to get a little bit into all kinds of other things. So what is Mitotech? What do you guys make? Where are you? Sure. Mitotech Precision is located in central Wisconsin, uh, up here in God's country. Uh, (laughs) We uh, produce uh, precision components for... um, myriad of customers and industries like to say that we make the parts that matter and uh, make a difference. And that's really uh, our story, at least lately here. Mm -hmm. And what kind of machines do you make the parts on? We have a variety of machines. We have uh, Sagami, Swiss machines. Um, We also have Miano and Eurotech is our latest edition, multi-axis lays. Uh, we also have uh, multi-spindle Tornos SAS 16s. Our latest and greatest uh, technology added to our arsenal is the uh, Tornos multi-Swiss full awesome. CNC eight spindle. Great. Okay, we're going to totally go into that now. I want to get you know the five-minute 
life story, how you got in to this business. What got it started? It's a family business, correct? That is correct. Mitotech Precision is ultimately derived from a family uh, business. My grandfather, my uncle, and my father uh, began the business in 1963 uh, here in Nacita, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Through the years then, uh, myself growing up in the business, uh, graduated high school, went to college, returned uh, to the business and, and started pretty much right after that. So before it was Mitotech, it was Nasita, correct? Yes. Nasita Screw Machine Products. Of course, Nasita is the name of our community that we uh, reside in. And, and we made a change. We made a branding change back mm -hmm. in uh, 2018. We just needed to move on from the connotation of the older technology for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. Half the reason I would say was for uh, customer base marketing, uh, easier to sell to the uh, younger and different buyers and uh, engineers that we deal with. Not all of them understood what a screw machine was and what a screw machine did versus what we had migrated to as a, a CNC Swiss shop. Interesting. Okay. The other part of that story is recruiting. And that's that's been a huge factor for us as it has been, I'm sure, for a lot of other shops. We needed to be more modern and, uh, you know, for the for the younger folks that were trying to, to get in here as employees and uh, to try to get some interest in working here on some of our high technology production equipment and, and metrology equipment. After many uh, years of uh, arm wrestling, that's what we settled with. Okay. That is very interesting. So as far as yourself, when you were young, you worked, you worked in the summers in the business and, you know, your third generation, when you were growing up, did you feel like you were going to follow in the footsteps? I didn't right off immediately. Actually, I was, uh, had a little bit of an interest in the legal field. So I was kind of working my way that way through uh, my post-secondary education, but then quickly learned near the end of that, that I, I didn't quite have the the grades or the test scores that I needed to, uh, to get where I wanted to in that field. So I, I chose to come home and put my stamp on uh, our family business and contribute any way I could. And it started mm -hmm. out on the shop floor. Okay. So you started out on the shop floor and you've done a whole bunch of different things over time, right? Yes, sir. Uh, graduated into uh, estimating. Uh, my grandfather uh, taught me all the estimating that I needed to know on, a, on our, for our brown and sharp machines, which we had back at that time. We ended up with up to 34 brown and sharps uh, before we started the downsize out of that department. So engineering, uh, screw machine engineering was something I, uh, I learned and, and took into very quickly. So you guys started in Brown and Sharps in the 60s. Yep. You cut your teeth on that. Tell yep. me how things evolved from there. I mean, now you're using Mayanos, multi-spindles. You know, there's still a place for Brown and Sharps and you have a few left. Mm -hmm. What was the first CNC machine you guys bought? First went with the uh, CNC controlled Brown and Sharp. That was our first CNC machine. They had the Allen Bradley control on it. And then we migrated to uh, CNC uh, lathes, uh, Mianos, I believe would be the next machine that we, we acquired that had a full CNC capability on it. Mm -hmm. And then quickly to the Swiss machines, because uh, we, we specialize in, in fairly small parts. Swiss is 
in your opinion, is Swiss just the place to be right now? It can be. Um, I think multi-axis capability uh, on a small lathe. A lot of the Swiss manufacturers now have uh, the hybrid version where they don't need the guide bushing. So mm-hmm. in the end, you have a very fast multi-axis lathe capable of finishing a part, everything that a part would need without secondaries. So we, we migrated to that, getting the part done. We, we really love the transition, though, to the uh, to the non-guide bush features that the Swiss machine manufacturers are offering now. It's mm-hmm. It's been a big help. We don't make a lot of long, slender Swiss product like some Swiss shops would do. And we, we make a lot of complex parts that have a lot of features front and back. Okay. For what industries are you mainly uh, doing parts for? The medical has been the latest and greatest industry that we've really thrived in. Uh, electronics, electrical components. We got some firearm components that we're involved in currently. Bring a few along. You can show us. Parts? Yeah. 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 yeah you bet. This is uh All right. Hold it, hold it up a little bit and real steady. A little bit yeah, further back. This is back. a very complex part we do on uh, one of our multi-axis uh, lathes, two-inch bar machine. A lot of features on it. I wouldn't say this is our most complex part, but this in the end uh, is a medical device part. Mm-hmm. It goes into uh, a system to inoculate African villages Whoa. Without a needle. Wow. And you made that on a Miano, on a triple turret? Yes, sir. Made that on a Miano. One of the things you told me before when we've talked was you try to make parts that matter. You know, it's a part to go into humanitarian work. Does this make you feel like you have a little more purpose in what you're doing as opposed to just churning out widgets? Yeah, I think that's exactly, you know, the way we feel about it. And I especially like it when we can, you know, make our team feel that same way, that really what we're doing is for the common good, makes life better in a lot of cases. So it's it's important for us to emphasize with the team members that, you know, what they're doing, no matter how small it might be, whether it be our needleless injection system or our other components, surgical robot components that we produce, or, I mean, you can't make a mistake or it's going to matter to somebody. And, uh, and we're very diligent that we don't do that. Yeah. I don't know. My observation with all the different people I talk to for Graf Pinkert or for the podcast is it seems like medical, if you have good medical work, it's like, I don't know, I'm not going to say the Holy grail, but that's the gold that's the treasure. If you can get the right client, is that true? Is it the promised land to make a lot of money in the Swiss business? Well, it kind of does lend itself to have products that, you know, are less likely to be uh, produced offshore or in some other lower cost method. It's highly engineered. We're, we find ourselves in a position where we can make process suggestions to our customers in the medical field, and they seem to take that as good advice as how we can make the part better. We don't mm. design the part for them. That's ultimately their their decision. But the uh, you know how can we design the part to manufacture it easier, better, more accurately? That's what we're right. strong at. How often does a customer say, we want this part done on this kind of machine or this brand of machine? Or does that happen to you at all? Not very much. We do have uh, referrals from some of the machine tool builders. 
We've got some fairly unique capabilities with the uh, multi-spindle tornos. It's it's not that common out the, in the in the field. But we've gotten referrals from that, and certainly the multi-Swiss, the tornos multi-Swiss has been huge. We're getting referrals constantly that from tornos through tornos or through other uh, manufacturers that that's the machine that you know that part needs to be made on. Okay, interesting. So, you know, I know a little bit about the multi-Swiss selling multi-spindles. I think it's very innovative and it's something I think a lot of people don't know about. A lot of people don't even know much about multi-spindles. To me, it seems like that would be the most common machine to know about, but most people don't. So explain for people, in a way, it seems like a multi-Swiss is almost a combination of a multi-spindle, traditional multi-spindle and a Swiss machine in the way the there's a sliding head. It is sort of a sliding head in the different spindles. Actually, this it does not have a guide bushing in the in the individual spindles. It's a fixed head machine. It's a fixed head. As as a, okay. As far as a guide bushing, spindles do move in and out, and that's how they feed uh, to the tooling. But right, it doesn't have a guide bushing. Okay, right. But they move in and out. So yeah. I want you to just explain the machine a little bit for people. Yeah. And then your rationale for going to this machine from, I mean, you told me that, you know, you got to a certain point where you were thinking maybe index, maybe multi-Swiss, you know, index, multi CNC, multi spindles. That's, that's the common thing. If you were going to do something in this country, that would be more like people's first instinct. So give me the thought process, why you went to multi-Swiss from what you were doing before, because you were using right. CAM, SASs, and Swiss machines. Right. So let me step back a little bit. We needed larger capacity in our multi-spindles. And currently at the SAS 16, it was pretty much 16 millimeter or 5 eighths inch diameter. We needed to make bigger parts. We considered the index, we considered the Tornos Multi-Swiss. Another big factor was talent. Mm -hmm. The fact that a Swiss machine, if you're going through multiple setups and multiple product mix like we do, you're setting up a Swiss machine five to seven times a week and changing over and making smaller batch runs. We needed a CNC multi-spindle that could compete in that world and produce parts three to five times faster, which either an index or a Tornos would do, but the Tornos seemed to be a little bit more user-friendly on the setup and changeover. Our, we're striving here to change over our multi-Swiss in the same amount of setup time as a single spindle Swiss machine. Wow. Is that because it, sorry to interrupt. Is that because though the tool zone is so much wider on a multi-Swiss yeah. than an index? Yeah, we, we realized that right off the bat when we were looking at the two and a little bit of better accessibility on the Tornos machine. Um, it, so it was, it was an easy choice there, a little bit easier to work on. Both great machines. A lot of people, they buy an index because they want to mass produce lots of parts, maybe for automotive, maybe for some other kind of thing. So this is quite different because you bought a multi-spindle an expensive multi-spindle, what was it, like a million and a half bucks? Mm -hmm. Yes. To not run millions of the same piece. 
Right. That, just the opposite of what we wanted to do. Um, the These machines were prevalent. I, th I believe there were about 20 of these machines in the U.S. at the time that we acquired ours. And you're right. They were 90% of them were in the automotive world, which we are not. Interesting. And we wanted to take this technology and use it in the medical field or in some of the other fields that we are in that didn't have these CNC multi-spindle capabilities reduce the change over time, make the parts faster, three to five times faster, but we can find ourselves a competitive niche there. And we're doing doing that. You got to find the right part, the right market. Families of parts work really well, where you can do a minor change in minutes and be making another part. Um, th those are the things that sometimes there's a little bit of uh, getting to know the customer and the product and getting it to work on the CNC multi-spindle. That's a benefit. Sure. I'd like an example. Okay. So say you have Sugamis, for instance, mm -hmm. or you have some old Tornos Decos. I know that because we were trying to broker one of your, your Tornos Decos. So, okay. So you're making, uh, you know, a relatively lucrative or complicated medical part on a Sugami. Your multi-Swiss is, was what? 26 millimeter, 32 millimeter? Yeah. One inch, 26 millimeter. Okay. So you're making a one inch part on a Sugami. Mm -hmm. What would be the cycle time perhaps on one of those parts? And then after you took it to the multi-Swiss, what would that be? Well, you could easily have on a one inch Swiss part with the multiple features, easily could be up over a minute a piece, minute and a half, 90 seconds, depending on material and complexity. Again, with the multi-spindle features of balancing it between eight spindles and, and if you could break down the operations in, a, in an efficient manner, you could get that cycle down to 10 or 15 seconds. So three wow. to five times faster, uh, one operator versus if you had to make that quantity on single spindle machines, you might need multiple operators. So wow. much more efficient, use of talent is much more efficient. And that's the direction we need to go. This, the key is reduce setup times. And we're, we're a, a good measure along the way on that. Okay. So could you set up your multi-Swiss as fast as you could set up one of your Swiss machines? That's our objective. We've gotten there on the second or third setup. And as we get better and better at this, it will come easier. We use a preset tool uh, arrangement so we can set the tools outside of the machine and then just plug and play in the multi-Swiss and get the part running. It's a process. Um, you know, we weren't there to day one and we're getting better at that. And our ultimate goal is to have setup times for the same part, the same setup time on either a single spindle or a multi-spindle. That's pretty awesome. Now you're betting on this. That's going to be a, a huge advantage. Yeah, it will be if we can get there. And we're nearly there in some cases. we got some work to go in others. Uh, my team is very uh, enthused about that challenge. And uh, uh, the engineering staff we have is, is wonderful. And the operations people, they take it on as a personal challenge. And uh, yeah. they understand the importance of making it happen. Well, I, that must have taken a lot of chutzpah, a lot, you know, to to go with the machine where there's only 20 in the United States. I mean, yes, they have, you know, a great reputation for making great stuff, but you know, that's, that's a pretty big leap of faith. So you mentioned staff, 
Tell me how the company has changed over time as far as how you organize things. I mean, you've done a lot of different things. It sounds like you've done a lot of different things at the same time at certain points. We how have. has your role changed? How has the organization changed? Yeah, very good. I'm glad you asked that. It's so important in where we've gone as a company. Uh, we brought in a, a management system here called EOS. And before that, which was about uh, six years ago, we would kind of get a good idea and kind of go off on a tangent and try to make it happen. And we really didn't have a strategic commitment to it as much as we should have. So we, we brought in this new system. We set 10-year goals, three-year goals, and annual goals and working on it on a quarterly basis. It's worked very well for us. Been able to build a team, a leadership team that understands it and drives it forward within their departments. Every team member uh, up and down the line is has been an awesome contributor to it. Give me a little specificity on the team. How big is the team? What are the different roles? Well, it starts with the senior leadership team. Uh, myself as the, the integrator and then the uh, engineering manager, ops manager, sales manager, HR. They're all important members of that team. And each of them have teams underneath them of their, of their departments. Each team meets weekly. We have our issues. We solve our problems on a weekly basis, all for getting a, a quarterly goal and then our, ultimately our annual goal completed and finished. So We've there's four, four different people on the main team, not including yeah. you. It can, it can fluctuate depending on the size of your company. But uh, and sometimes we wear multiple hats. But the, uh, the last couple of years, the benefit has been moving a lot of this direction and, and, and management and pushing the ball forward from a couple of us to a larger team. And it's been a great benefit. Everybody takes great pride, especially when we get the job done and when we're successful. Did it feel a little scary at first to get a whole bunch of people together to manage and organize and then kind of, you know, take your hands off the wheel a little bit? It's a process for sure. And uh, I'm well down the path, still got a ways to go, but Several years ago, you know, a small group of us, one or two of us would be making most of the decisions and trying to to make the changes to make real good sound uh, management decisions for the company. And when you get a bigger confidence in a bigger group, the leadership group, and they start building and the teams underneath them build, it's it's been a, a very good outcome of what we're hoping to see and we generally are seeing. Yes, it's a little bit scary, but um, I think it's, it's turned out awesome for us. An FYI to our thousands of listeners out there. We're always looking for new show sponsors, new ideas for episodes, and feedback. Obviously, positive feedback is nice, but if you have some constructive criticism, it's also really good. Feel free to send emails to the contact info on todaysmachiningworld.com. If they're interesting, maybe I'll read some on the air. Also, another big mantra is for, for EOS is having the right customer. Don't be afraid to, uh, you, you got to remain focused on the customers, that type of work that you're good at and profitable with. 
don't just keep a customer around because they've been around for a long time. We so we've we've uh, moved on from some customers, and it's really showed up in our bottom line. Interesting. So you've actually just been like, look, I'm sorry, you're not profitable for us to work for, and we're going in a different direction. We've done that in some cases, and some cases it's been a natural move. Um, but absolutely, it, it definitely can see the benefits of that. Addition by subtraction. Yes, exactly. It is true. A few other questions. Uh, when you hear the word happiness, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, first and foremost, I think um, I think of uh, family, health, good health. That's certainly the first and most important part. But then the next thing is, you know, what do you do that you enjoy that makes you happy or you relish, you know, makes you get up in the morning and, and when I, you know, and, and to us, it's, it, it, to me, it's the challenge of, uh, of being a better leader, doing complex things, solving complex problems that matter, having a great team around me that I can see that they, uh, they also are up to the challenge and, uh, it makes them get up in the morning too. having that the right people, having the right culture, growing that culture. I think that that's a certain amount of happiness that we've realized here in the last couple of years is that's a, a huge benefit to be able to do that. So those are the things that make me yeah. happy. How do you do you have any advice for somebody that wants to change the culture? It's just kind of incremental. You got to hire, evaluate. Everything you do has got to be around your core values. Once you decide what those core values are, what are the most important things to your company? A couple of the ones for us are adaptability, driven, uh, creativeness, reliable, thorough. Those are all characteristics of, of the people that we look for. Whether they bring come in with machining talent or not, we can mold them if they have those talents and we can grow them. Uh, to be a, a valid team member here at Mitotech. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's different with the leadership team, but when you're hiring people in the shop, you're not as concerned with prior experience as just the right kind of person, correct? That's correct. I mean, we will definitely look for the right person that has the machining background. That would be a, a home run. But uh, the home runs aren't very prevalent these days. And we need to mold our own, build our own. We have relationships with the local tech schools, the high schools. Mm -hmm. we're, bringing, we're bringing young folks in, give them the opportunity to experience manufacturing the way it is today, the technology behind it. How many people are in Nasita? Oh, I think the sign on the way in the town says something around 970. <laughs> okay. So obviously you're getting people from surrounding areas. Yeah. Does being in a smaller area make it easier to get good talent or harder to get good talent? It makes it easier to get good people. So the talent part of it, you may have to work a little harder on. Mm-hmm once they get here, but the work ethic, the folks in this area, they enjoy outdoor recreation. They live, you know, to be able to do that. And they, they need a, a life, a family sustaining career to support that. And I think that's what we've done. We've done really well. The folks that live in this region, in this area, have a German background, a hardworking ethic. And even I shouldn't say it's just German. There's a lot of ethnicity here that mm -hmm. uh, has a strong traditional background for hard work. And 
So you feel like the young people aren't just going, just bolting. Like I want to explore, get the heck out of this 900 person mm-hmm. two horse town. You feel yeah. like there's plenty of people that are just feel comfortable and want to stay there. There is that group. Uh, certainly there is the group that want to leave, but then there's the group that come back after they've left and experienced, you know, whatever they experienced out mm-hmm. there in the real world. And they come back to the real world. They want to raise a family in and, and, and grow and be a, a better person. And that's interesting. You see a lot of people come back. You, know, you always hear about the, I went to university of Wisconsin, Madison, and mm-hmm. people would always talk about the brain drain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly happening. Um, but there are people that just don't, you know, not everybody is in that same frame. There are some that are and some that aren't. And you just have to find the ones you, you have to catch the interest of the student early. We, we're in the middle schools. We're in the high schools, middle schools in their in our region, introducing them to the technology that we have here. It's not old school manufacturing like they might think that their parents told them manufacturing was about. We get the parents to buy in, to allow their kids to learn that the technology is here in our small town. Uh, we're saving lives by making medical devices and you get to be a part of it. And you don't have to move away to a larger city and deal with some of the things that you may have to deal with in, in those circumstances. Sure. That makes total sense. What's something that you learned last week? Something that I learned last week. And don't give me this. uh, No, I mean, no offense to some people, but they're like, well, I've been learning, you know, all my life, this, whatever. Just tell me one, one thing, like maybe you saw it on TV or you were at the shop and you some, some tidbit. Hmm. Don't worry about being so clever. If it's not clever enough, I can just edit it out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what did I learn last week? I, I learned last week that our company was going to make a lot of people happy because we got the final numbers for 2020 and we're able to make a fairly significant profit sharing contribution, which we distributed two days ago. And uh, I learned that was going to happen and I was very happy. That's fantastic. So were the employees. Yeah, it was, it was nearly in such a hard year. Yeah, we had a great year. It was our best record record sales, record profit. And oh, God. It means I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> we distributed uh, upwards of 12% of uh, uh, their base pay, again, in a profit sharing program that we have. Wow. Well, John, this was a pleasure. And I think you're just as interesting as anybody else we've interviewed. So don't, don't, don't sell yourself short. You have quite a track record. I was really concerned about that. You have uh, some very interesting uh, folks that you've talked to and uh, I didn't know quite how I was going to hold up, but. Everybody's different. That's, that's the beautiful thing. You can't compare apples and oranges, you know, they're just, they can both be great. That's good. No, I had a great time. I appreciate uh, being able to spend some time with you. And I, uh, I, I'm looking forward to that beer at the terrace in Madison someday when I. That would be great. Is it? From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to tell your friends. 
Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch videos of extended interviews. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is William Steffi. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. 